So Julie, I often tell people that there are four opportunities to overcoming an objection, the most powerful of which is before the objection happens. Have you ever heard of this concept? You're always teaching me new stuff, Torin. No, I haven't. Tell me more. So the acronym for me, and it's something that I used back in the 90s when I had my own sales team, the acronym is WNLB. Well, the B stands for before. And before any of you start to wonder which online system is best for payroll, let me share a few facts. Gusto is actually simple and easy, surprisingly easy and very fast. 90% of customers say switching to Gusto was easy. 85% of customers say running payroll is easier now than their previous provider. And three out of four customers take 10 minutes or less to run payroll with Gusto. I think that's easy. You can use our link, gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K for three complimentary months. Again, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man. We bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy and the King to cover news, tips from colleagues, and host incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it, check it. Julie, kick off the show. Welcome to Whitey and the King. Oh. Shit. <laughs> it's about to be on like popcorn. Oh, damn. First of all, who in the world lets you get in on a microphone like this is a sacred space? <laughs> and I didn't get any note. You know how you used to get a note from someone like you're going to have a guest or Johnny's not going to be in class today. Left you you know, home. I. I got no, no. All I do is log in and I'm like, okay, this is getting ready to be. So who the hell is Whitey? Whitey. Uh, Whitey's Chad Sowash uh, of the Chad and Cheese podcast. Uh, one of my favorite songs, I love it, is uh, Whitey on the Moon. And you know, I heard that when you sent it to me yeah. like a couple of weeks ago, because Julie said something about it, I believe, in our last podcast. Yeah. And then you sent it to me and it it was like, it was either Friday evening or Saturday and I had hopped in the whip and I was about to start driving and I heard the song. I'm like, I cannot move. I'm laughing so hard right now. I didn't know it was Gil Scott Heron. She didn't say that to me. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Just like the, uh, the revolution will not be televised. Not at all. But <laughs> this is going to be televised. And before we even do it, yeah. I got to tell you why I'm smiling and excited because there wouldn't be a crazy in the king if it weren't for you. Thank you, Like, sir. really, for a lot of individuals who may be new listeners to, you know, crazy in the king, even though we are in our third year, it really is a result of Chad and his vision. He saw something in 2018, thought that we should pursue it. I was a bit reticent, not in a in a bad way. I just didn't know if. I had the bandwidth. I didn't know if I had the chops. Yeah, it's Sirius XM going on, dude. I mean, you just got on. Well, but you know what? The the secret to that is that both of them started within a week of one another. Yeah. 
yes, I had Sirius XM, but I hadn't started Sirius XM. So when you made this decision, I was like, oh man, I'm trying to put my arms around Sirius <laughs> XM and a podcast. So all I want to say is thank you. It's the first time you've been on Crazy and the King. Absolutely happy that you are here. And again, had it not been for you and your vision, we wouldn't be rocking the way that we are. So we appreciate you. No, we, we to be quite frank, dude, I, to see amazing voices like yours and Julie's actually get behind the mic. That's what we need in this industry. And that's one of the reasons why we it, it, at Evergreen, uh, we created that HR channel and we're starting to build diverse voices so that you don't just have to listen to a couple of dumb white guys on Chad and Cheese, right? You got a great variety of people. Yeah, to but to. you know, you know, you're playing it down though, but you and Joel do a fantastic show. You all challenge people in a way that is honest. You speak about the subject matter in a way that is honest. And, you know, for a lot of folks, we, you, you, if you've never heard it before or the first time you hear it, it might catch you off guard a bit. Like, <laughs> wow, these cats are abrasive. Like they are absolute. You know, let me ask you, if you had, if you had two Black men in HR discussing HR tech, HR practices, talent acquisition practices. Do you think two Black men could discuss it the way that you two are discussing it and it be received the same way as Chad Cheese? I'm I'm really curious. No way. No way. No way. And this Why is, not? This is because it's called white privilege, Torin. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but that's what that's what we got. And I think from our standpoint, what it's our job to be able to get out there and to talk to people about the shit that's fucked up, right? And if they hear from people that look like them, that have the same skin color because they're racists, maybe they might start to listen because they won't listen to somebody who's not like them, which I, I think is ridiculous. But what we have to do is we have to call bullshit when it's out there. And if people won't listen to to others and say, like, I, I think you said on the very first podcast you were on with us is like, you know, why don't they call you angry white dudes? And the, and the it, good question, right? So we are using our platform to try to flip the script. And uh, because we do have that privilege and when we're using it, hopefully to have the discussions, the uncomfortable discussions that need to be had in the white community about the shit that we fucked up that we need to unscrew. Well, let's talk about one of these things that's fucked up. So I'm going to go to Harry Potter real quick. Now, listen, I'm not <laughs> saying <laughs> I'm not saying that the Harry Potter franchise is that. But right. But there have been some activity in that. And so found the story over on BuzzFeed and it says Harry Potter actor Katie Luang. I believe that's the proper pronunciation claims that publicists told her to deny that she was experiencing racist attacks while filming. Let me just say this before we get into the story, even though it's a quick drop on this story, yeah. stop AAPI hate. We are absolutely supportive and just really, really, really uh, disgusted by the acts of violence that took place down in Atlanta, yes. the acts of violence that are taking place in cities all across the country, and perhaps even the globe. I, I got to tell you, I haven't seen really any of the stories of some of the things that we've been doing or have been done here in America to Asian uh, and Pacific Islanders in other countries. So I just wanted to really shout out that Crazy and the King, we we absolutely are supportive of and do not, do not in any way want to see 
you know, those acts of violence persisting against that audience, that community. Not at all. I, a quick story. One of my heroes, I was able to actually meet just months before he died in, in Hawaii. His name's Daniel Inouye. He's a Japanese American who was allowed to serve in the U.S. Uh, military after the U.S. dropped its Japanese enlistment ban. Uh, in 1943. He went on to become a World War II war hero, Medal of Honor winner, climbed into the political ladder to the U.S. Senate. Um, dude, I'm not going to lie. I teared up when I met him. Uh, to, for, for me, to be able to see a, a guy like that, he, and, who's American, who, who felt like he had to prove that he was an American by going to war. That's how he had to prove it, right? To me, that 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 means so much and that we have to move so far away from where we are today. You you think that we make progress and then you see shit like this happen. It just it it makes me it makes me crazy. It makes me crazy. Yeah. No, absolutely. And Katie Long, Kaylee Luang or Lung, L-E-U-N-G. Uh, she was an actress or is an actress in the uh, Harry Potter franchise. And we're talking, she was experiencing and reading racial stuff yeah. even back when she was 16, maybe even before. But the piece that really jumped out for me that really rubbed me uh, the wrong way, Chad, was Luang claims that she even found a hate site dedicated to her. It's a hate site de dedicated to her and when she talked to her publicist about it, she remembered them saying, oh, look, Katie, we haven't seen these websites that people are talking about. And, you know, bottom line is the publicists, the PR people, yeah. the press people, the comms people. Let me let me just put one word around it. The adults in the room said, just act like it's not happening. And it's that turning of the blind eye. It's that uh, allowing stuff to persist at the sake of capitalism, because that's all that decision was. Yep. You know, let's not speak on it because we're making so much damn money as a franchise that we don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers. I, I, I just found that to be distasteful. Yeah. Distasteful at best. And, and to think of, she was a kid. I mean, it's, 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 it's bad enough. We're seeing, people being gunned down, adults being gunned down, but the, the treatment of our kids as well. I mean, again, we can do better as Americans. Yeah, I heard a story um, this past week, you know, it was talking about, I think it was in New York City, I can't really remember. Um, and it was a person, you know, from the Asian community, 50, I think in the story, 55, 58 years old, mm -hmm. and said that, you know, she's walking down the block, Someone just taps her on the shoulder, you know, spins around in front of her uh -huh. and hits her in the head with a metal pipe. More than 20 stitches. For what? Like, for what? Like, I, I absolutely don't understand it. And so when we have publicists, when we have people in the workplace yeah. that are ignoring and trying to sweep up under the rug these acts of aggression, these biases, these systemic issues that managers, hiring managers, leaders are dealing with, it's toxic. It's not helpful in any particular way. And certainly we are seeing it manifest now through people's language. You know, some folks attribute it to our former president yeah. as to why the Asian community is going through this. I don't give him that much damn credit. 
I don't think that it's because of him. Some do. I don't. But whatever the reason is, it's something that's got to stop. Yeah, I think I think people. Once again, they're looking for reasons to separate themselves from others. Uh, and, and that make them uncomfortable because they don't look like them. They're, they're not the same nationality. They're not the same gender. They don't, uh, you know, maybe they're transgender. I mean, just, just something that's different from them. And overall, they're so, as a, like you'd said, the producers, the, the, the PR people, uh, those are the adults in the room that should be leaders. Now, we also need to take a look at corporate America and also our government leaders, and they are falling flat, mainly government, on leadership around these these areas. There should be no question from any, I don't care, Republican, Libertarian, Democrat, doesn't matter. Every single person should be out against this. And And I understand that you don't believe that Donald Trump was the person, but he does incite these individuals to dig down deep into the the, the blackness of their hearts, and and actually, you know, th- th- there's action upon that. So it might not be his fault because he didn't do it, but man, he's given. It's almost like he's a, a battlefield general telling them what to go do. Now I'm going to try to protect you just a little bit because you don't know no better. Um, <laughs> So you're in a different sandbox right now. You said the blackness of their heart. So I ah, want to just have a little bit like of fun that. right here. I like that. Um, yeah. So from, from a language standpoint, you know, there are people that get a little bit triggered, a little sensitive to some of the like master bedroom. Like I didn't even know that that was one of the words, one really? of the phrases. Yes. Yeah. So, so you know that we've done away with Aunt Jemima syrup and yep. Uncle Ben's rice yep. and, uh, you know, uh, devils, what, what is it? Angels food cake, devils food cake. Um, you, there, there are some of these things that are, um, are triggering. And so I'm smiling when you said gotcha. the blackness of their heart, I'm it doesn't bother me. It didn't bother me at all, but you know, I may have some folks out in our <laughs> diversity, <laughs> equity and inclusion audience. That's like, Whitey's going to get off this damn podcast in a minute. We get ready to cut his feed. Uh, I don't want anybody to cut my man's feed because I know you meant it in a very beautiful way. But, but speaking of speaking of the depths and, and, and leadership and leadership is really about taking a lead. Like leadership is doing stuff that, you know, other people should be doing. And, and sometimes you'll do it without anyone sort of nudging you. You just you'll just do it. So Amazon says we're getting ready to take the lead. They are now uh, forcing their delivery drivers to sign a biometric consent form or lose their job. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. You don't like that. Oh, What's wrong with that? Dude. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I mean, why don't you like that? So so first off, these are the same drivers who don't have enough time to stop for a bathroom break, uh, which yes. is on par with the Amazon warehouse workers who are pissing in trash cans near to them because they got to stay on quota, right? So yep. they have these cameras that are installed in these trucks. And, and by the way, these are not Amazon employees. Technically, they're drivers who are employed by uh, other companies, de- uh, service delivery companies. But Amazon is so big and powerful, they have control over all of it. 
right? Yeah. So yeah. from my standpoint, this is, I mean, this is Orwellian. This is 1984 in 2021. And uh, I, this is, is it, these aren't great conditions for anybody to be working in. Yeah, but they say, Chad, it's about safety. It's about, you know, being able to track timeliness. It's it, it's something that's impacting 75,000 drivers. And for our listeners out there, the story is over on Motherboard. Uh, again, if you just kind of Google it, it's from March 23rd. You can find it. But he, here's the issue for me. The issue that I have is Amazon has already been down this route of using let's say facial recognition. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if they consider biometric um, activity or biometric technology the same as facial recognition. But, but the challenge for me is that they've already been down this route before and their a facial recognition application failed. It failed in the public sphere it failed on Congress when they tested it uh, uh, on Capitol Hill. Yeah. It failed. And so we know that AI is faulty. We know that it absolutely is faulty with individuals that have darker skin tones. So of those 75,000 drivers, I mean, how many of them are are black and brown? How many of them are going to have some issue with this technology because of their ethnicity, because of their race. It could be because, and I'm not trying to be funny, they might be cross-eyed. I don't know if there's a a better term for that. I don't know how this works. And so I shared the story because I don't know how this works. And and I'm concerned that it may impact some of these individuals where this is really their only form of livelihood. Yeah. Well, let me tell you where this works for Amazon. One word, control. It's all Amazon wants. That's all Amazon needs. They don't want unions. They don't want you. I mean, they were testing haptic bracelets in the UK so that if you were in- what, what's, a, what's, a, a hap- what's a haptic, a haptic, haptic bracelet, bracelet. Is, is a bracelet that actually vibrates when you are not where you should be. Uh, and, and so they were testing these things and, and again, this is just another way for Amazon to be able to control behavior, time, quotas. Again, the working experience for a human being should never have anything to do with this type of technology. So, I mean, taking it away from Amazon then. So are you one of those people who are not for, um, you know, like the software, the eye tracking software on people's desktop, um, software that perhaps times how long they are away from their desk and come back to perhaps answer phone calls if they're like in a call center environment. You're opposed to all of that managerial type software, not just from an Amazon standpoint, period. Yeah, period, because we need to focus on the output, right? We need to, we, we should have KPIs that have nothing to do with that. So let's say, for instance, now everybody, for, for the most part, unless you're an essential worker, you're working from home, uh, which means you can work at any time. And there is a deadline. If you're getting the deadline, if it's done by deadline, who cares if you're doing it at nine to five, right? And if you're answering the phone calls, if you're if you're doing what your job needs you to do, there's no reason for eye tracking software, 
knowing when I'm going to take a bathroom break. Uh, again, I, I think it's all extraneous and it's all about control, not about experience, not about safety. It's about control. Well, let me just say this to you. Uh, I'm sure 75,000 people across the country are feeling some kind of way yeah. right about now. Uh, a lot of people inside of this story, they even put screenshots of what it is that people uh, have to adhere to. Um, it says technically these drivers aren't even employed, like you said, by Amazon, but by roughly 800 companies. So I, 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 it, this is going to be real tricky. Um, That's how I Amazon suspect, likes it. <laughs> well, I suspect that, you know, when, when you think of moves like this, these are the types of decisions that are contributing to the statistic that says one out of four people are going to leave the role that they are in after this pandemic is over. I think that this is a, a dangerous place for us to be in. Uh, and I am really, really going to make sure that I earmark this story. I'm going to tell you one time, funny story, one time where they needed this eye tracking software. So you know how yeah. you can, you can bring your kids to work day. You know that, you know, yeah. I'm, Chad, I'm telling you true story. Yeah. I, so the ring doorbell uh, on the, on the, on the crib. So the Amazon driver pulls up in front of my home. They don't come in the driveway. They just pull up and, and, yeah. and they stop on the street. And so he, the driver gets out, goes around to the back or what we thought was the back of the, the vehicle. Maybe they went to the side. And then all of a sudden, after about 20 seconds of no movement, no activity by the vehicle, a little person runs from the passenger side. And I'm going to assume it was the driver's son, could have been the nephew. Uh, I'm hoping that it was a son or a nephew <laughs> and not somebody else's random child. Yeah. So you see this little tight, he must no more than like 10 years old, Chad, runs up the driveway. And I got a fairly long driveway. He runs up the driveway, runs up the grass. Uh, I said, now, I don't know why this little joke is in my grass, but it's cool. <laughs> so he takes the package. He doesn't lay it on the porch. He doesn't lay it next to the door. He doesn't lay it next to the step. He doesn't even try to hide it behind the two big plants that are on either side of the steps. Uh -huh. This joker stood about 10 feet from the porch and flung that joint. <laughs> so I'm watching all of this on the ring uh, uh, doorbell. I swear, I said, if I was home right now, I literally would run upstairs and out and like tap on, you know, tap on the, the driver's door. Like, what is going? He literally stood in the yard and flung the joint like a Frisbee. <laughs> That's when I want to see some biometric uh, software inside of the truck. So you can't, you, him, that guy can't bring the child to work day because I don't appreciate that. Thank God it was just like a little soft package. It was like a sweatshirt or something, yeah. you know, that my daughter ordered. But yeah. So hey, anyway, child labor I, laws on that one. Child labor laws. That's really what. <laughs> that's that's what we needed. Something something a whole lot easier than biometric software. Just straight up child mate child labor laws. That would have solved all of that issue. Yes, yes, indeed. So talk about uh NCAA because I I know some folks brackets got busted last weekend. No, oh, this is this has been one of the most bracket busting NCAA I but but what's been even worse is how they've treated the female 
NCAA basketball players versus the male, right? So here in Indianapolis, I'm just south of Indianapolis. Uh, we have the the men's you know, NCAA and the women's final four is in San Antonio. So it seems as if here in Indianapolis, they got the very expensive PCR test to ensure that they did not have COVID. And down in San Antonio, they got the cheap version called the rapid antigen. So that, that was, that was step number one, right? It's like, you get the expensive stuff, you get the cheap stuff. Then there's a TikTok. I love TikTok, Torn. There's a TikTok that comes out. One of the, uh, the NCAA players is actually in their practice facility. And she shows a video of a little rack of like six weights like the ones that you do like arm bicep curls with just a, just six weights. She said, this is our weight room. And then she had somebody up in Indianapolis do a video of this. I mean, probably million dollar weight room. Right. And again, it's like there from an equity standpoint, I understand NCAA is uh, the the male version is the crown jewel. They bring in about eight hundred and fifty million dollars a year in television rights alone. Right, the females bring in forty two million. You can't tell me that that joint couldn't actually had more than six freaking weights, and they could have cared about giving really good COVID testing to those ladies. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. yeah. And let and let me just say that. You know, context is everything, because the first time I saw the images, first of all, I didn't know that they came from TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. And a friend of mine, she put the image, you know, the male weight room Uh on the top, the women's weight room image on the bottom. There wasn't a caption with it. And down at the bottom in the the place where she could kind of write her feelings, I I forget exactly what it said, but. But whatever she said, I didn't connect it to the image. So I'm looking at this image and I'm like, I don't see what's wrong. I mean, yes, I see the million dollar looking weight room and I see the small rack and I see what looks like a masseuse table that literally (laughs) a a masseuse. And so I'm saying to myself, as I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't know what's wrong here. It's got to be something wrong. I'm missing it. Mr. Diversity King is missing it. Until somebody else put it up with context. And then I said, that's why. That's why they put it up. Now you're adding another layer to it. So not only are you shorting us on the workout, the facility to warm us up, feeling like we we deserve exactly what they have. Yeah. But they treated them from a health perspective. It's another layer. And And it's all NCAA, like the governing body may be two different groups of people, one for the men, one for the women. But the point is, it's one franchise, NCAA. How is it? And I say this often, Chad, when I'm when I'm in front of audiences, every time something goes wrong as it relates to employee relations, as it relates to people engagement, Mm -hmm. it's not always a men's fault because I know it's got to be some women. I haven't pulled it up. But I know it's got to be some women in the governing body that are a part of the event planning staff, that entire NCAA Final Four franchise, that tournament franchise. It's got to be some women that says, 
oh, this is all right. This is enough. This is cool. This is satisfactory. It's got to be some women that are guilty, equally as guilty of shorting those highly intelligent, highly gifted women basketball players. Great story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's the organization. It's the organization. Absolutely. So by addressing the persistent racial inequities, the industry could reap an additional 10 billion in annual revenues, about 7% more than the assessed baseline of 148 billion. That quote, that passage comes from a new study out by McKinsey on the entertainment industry. Let me just say that again. By addressing the persistent racial inequities, the industry could reap an additional $10 billion in annual revenues. Let's get into this week's show. Let's do it. You ready to talk about some college debt? Some people say it's the third rail. Uh, You know, uh, I know people like Mark Cuban is very, very high on this whole issue around uh, student debt. A lot of people say that we are dancing with disaster right now. And what did you find? So $1.7 trillion with a T dollars by 44 million Americans. So this is out of the Harvard Business Review. This burden has enormous repercussions. Recent graduates may experience a narrowed sense of possibility. Decisions like when to start a family, buy a home, uh, all of that can be overwhelming in the shadow of debt obligations. Not to mention, think about it, Torn. What about starting to save for retirement, right? This is not just about missing generations possibly because they're having kids later. Uh, Not about just people staying, kids staying in mom and dad's basements, right? This is a long-term, there's a long-term issue that's here. In the last 20 years, I looked up some some great stats uh, that showed the average tuition and fees for a private national university have jumped 144%. Out-of-state tuition, 165%. 165%. In-state tuition and fees at public national universities, 212%. What, yeah. What, 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 what am I missing here? When you and I came out, I, I, I went into the military so I could afford college, right? But at that point, $40,000 would cover it. No problem. I got none. We got two in college now. That ain't, that ain't close. Yep. 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 And let me tell you the, the challenge that I have with that, you know, uh, considerably, and I don't know what I was actually, I do know. I was researching, oh, I forget the phrase, Chad. Um, it's an equity phrase as it relates to individuals. Okay. So, you know, in the VC space, you can, you can take equity in a company. Mm-hmm. And I was researching this phrase. It was a story that I saw on um, the infor- the information. And, and it was talking about personal equity or people equity. And I actually put the phrase in Google uh, on Monday. And it took me to a story back in 2013 about a young lady. It was a number of people covered in the story. Mm-hmm. But basically what they're saying is people like you and I and others, we can invest in people. 
Now, some saw that as being like indentured servitude. Others saw it as being capitalism. But we can invest in people, individuals, not companies, that we believed in. And this one young lady, 2013, she was like, I graduated from an Ivy League school. I've always wanted to start a business, but I couldn't because of my student loan debt. Yeah. Like I'm three, $400,000 in debt. I have to go and work for a major organization so I can get this check. I really want to go and start a business. Yeah. And I'm challenged by this. This is That's 2013. We're at 2021. Yeah. We've been having this conversation on and off since, certainly since the economic collapse of 2008. And so you give the staggering numbers of how college tuition has risen. And I'm sitting around now looking at all of these schools who are doing classes on Zoom and still charging full freight. Oh, yeah. Still full freight. Not to mention, here's, here's the big question for me. Who benefits from Americans going to college? Who who benefits? Who's the major beneficiary? The school, corporate America. I think. Well, the why do you, why yes. do you say why do you say corp? No, I want to hear your thought. Why do you say corporate America? Corporate America. Where do they actually earn their profits? Where do where does innovation come from? Right. Where does where do they get the opportunity to actually make the margins and the profits that they do today? They do off the backs of their workers, and if their backs, if those workers' backs are educated. They make more money because they can innovate faster and they can do all of these things. So what's happening here is I think we really need to reframe this conversation where here in America, we're all about rugged individualism and capitalism. But really what what we are all about is corporate welfare. This is just another way for corporate America to be able to get what they want for free. For free. free. I knew you were going there. It's crazy. I knew you were going to go there. So we're, and, and, we're being tricked into this, man. So, so in your opinion, then one of the solutions—not the solution, but certainly a viable solution—and this can get down to taxation. You know, uh, corporate uh, entities being able to park money offshores and you know not necessarily contribute from a fiscal standpoint, from a tax standpoint, to the degree in which they could. This would be an argument to maybe avert, to mitigate some of that risk of that student loan bubble to get them to pay more of college tuition. Am I hearing that from you? Well, think of this. United States military, how do, how do, how do they do it? You go GI in, Bill. You go in. Yeah, you got the GI Bill. So you go in, you got the three years, right? Or you got the four years. And what happens when you come out? You got, you got, uh, you got um, the suite of benefits. Right. So now think of ROTC. You go to college, and at the end of that college, what do you do? You serve in the military. You're on contract, right? So That's if, right. if you think about it, corporate America, we're always talking about, quote unquote, the skills gap, okay? Which I see as an issue from the, uh, the, the, the universities. But the actual, the actual corporate America side of the house should be working directly with universities to eye top talent pay for their education and pipeline them into their organization. That's good business. That is good business right out of the gate. And again, it's a model that the military has been using for how long? And again, 
from our standpoint, it's good for society. Yeah. So why do you feel like they are um, resistant to that? Because it's free. It's free labor right now. I mean, they don't have to pay for it. Think so about how do we change it? You know, is that a lobbyist type it, thing? It, this, is, that's a regulation thing. It's, it's kind of like you're talking about parking money offshore. We can police that. We can police every single bit of that, right? And whatever somebody actually sells revenue-wise here in the United States, tax that. We know what it is. Tax it. Um, th- there are... we. We make things complex on the business side and the government side for one reason. So uh, that so that common Americans get frustrated and they don't pay attention anymore. Yeah, see, and when I think about that, you know, I never really thought about it the way that you are describing it. Like as much as I've heard the issue around student loan debt. Yeah. Um, hearing the stories of people calling in, sometimes they'll call in the radio shows that I've listened to. Uh, I think the worst case that I ever heard, a lady said that she was a little more than $400,000 in debt. And I'm saying to myself, how are you possibly going to pay that money back? Yeah. Like you will work almost your entire life, if not your entire working life, and you will be saddled with the interest and the fees and penalties from these various student loans. And, you know, it's hard to even keep track of them joints because they sell them over and over again. And, you know, they don't, you don't hear from them for a period of time. It really is something that I never thought about the way that you've framed it. Uh, I'm curious in the story that you found, did they talk about corporate America or is that just your your uh, own professional insight. Yeah, no, that's just my my own professional insight, and being able to to know, you know, what what that debt feels like with Julie, because Julie has uh, has college debt. I luckily don't. Um, but overall, it's all about how we fix these things. Uh, I, it, it's a huge issue. I mean, we're talking about trillion. I mean, again, almost two trillion dollars, right? So at that point. What do we do to fix it? And I think it's our job as Americans to to take a look at those issues, those huge issues that are impacting 44 million Americans and educate ourselves on it and, and, and really think about easy solutions as we're going to talk to our representatives, the people who are supposed to represent us. You know, it would be so incredible uh, if we could just get like, you know, our Republican friends our Democratic friends, mm-hmm. our Libertarian friends, Green Party friends. It'd be awesome if we could just come together and say, you know what, for a moment, like a <laughs> digital moment of reconciliation, like, you know what, I'm not going to go on social media and post the bullshit that I was about to post. I'm, I'm just going to pull back. Like if there was a frequency that could run through America, like everybody at a particular moment would say, wait a minute. I'm not going to post that. I'm actually not going to post what's divisive or my opinion. I'm going to send a message that says, I need you folks in D.C. to do something. And this is one of the somethings that we could all get behind because nobody has a monopoly on this debt. Like Republicans owe money. Democrats owe money, like folks that didn't even graduate from college owe money. It, this is an issue for all of us. And it's an issue that's impacting not just Julie, myself, you, 
but our children's children's children are going to be dealing with you know this particular issue because like you have framed it we haven't we haven't made it something that uh everybody cares about we actually use it uh in a way that keeps us distracted yeah that's all that's what it is game. all part, part of, the, of game. the game of keeping us distracted but i got something that won't distract you it's an ad from Job fight. Love them. I love job fight. Yeah, you said that too. Oh, I love, I love job fight. I love job fight. Yeah, man. The entire <laughs> team, man. I, I, they absolutely show us love over here at Crazy and the King. So let's get a message from them and then we'll come back and hop into the story that I chose. Hit it. Really quick before Torin and I hop back into the episode, have you heard about the new job fight? The social recruiting innovator is now the end-to-end TA suite leader, helping TA teams attract, engage, hire, onboard, and promote the talent they need to succeed. But built specifically for talent acquisition professionals, the Jobvite Talent Acquisition Suite delivers an unmatched depth of capabilities from AI to DNI, recruitment marketing to applicant management, new hire onboarding, employee referrals, internal mobility, all with next-gen analytics to help you prove the value you deliver to your organization. Whatever your recruiting challenge, Jobvite has a solution. Visit jobvite.com slash C-A-T-K today. Again, jobvite.com forward slash C-A-T-K. Now let's get back into the show. Awesome. So normally when we have these discussions around toxic workplaces, it's always ire that is directed to the men, the men folk, men folk, men folk. Well, today we're going to actually direct some of that ire to the women folk. Now, if she was on the show, yeah, if she was on the show, I don't know if she'd want me to call her a woman. I don't know if there's a particular pronoun that she prefers. Actually, I've never seen um, Ellen use one, but let me just say that this is all about Ellen DeGeneres losing more than a million viewers since her apology, because apparently, Chad, she is leading a toxic workplace. Go figure. Can you imagine somebody as bubbly and as nice and as affable and as car-given, scholarship-given-away Ellen leading a toxic workplace? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't expecting that answer. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that answer, but it's the truth. Yeah. So apparently she's lacking in like people skills. And and I don't really want to like dump on Ellen because much of the story, you know, from uh, the New York Times, much of the story. And you can get the story anywhere you yeah. want, because she actually did the apology back in 2020, if I'm not mistaken. And a lot of people say that. Well, not a lot of people, but the 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 stats say that it was probably her biggest debut show in the last four or five years, because there were these stories last summer around her leading a toxic workplace. And so people were tuned in, like when the off season came back on and, you know, now we're coming off of hiatus and vacation, you know, people are like, oh shit, let's see what Ellen is going to say about all of the things that have been said about her over the summer. And so she had to apologize. And after that apology, 
like a million people have tuned out. And there's a reason why I'm sharing the story, because I just don't know how many times we have to tell people that are listening, like racism costs, poor leadership costs. There is a price to pay for poor leadership, right? Yeah, yeah, I... So I think it's an interesting question posed. You know, we, we don't see this a lot um, from females, and but when we do, I mean, it's it's like out there and it's front page news. I, I think overall, humans are toxic and power corrupts. Number one, the reason why we haven't seen, I believe, this come out as much as toxic female is because look at look at uh, leadership today. Only eight percent of Fortune five hundred company. CEOs are female, right? That's because men have been in charge and power corrupts. So the the person who has been in charge, for the most part, has been a man. And now that we're starting to see, not fast enough, but as, as we're starting to see equality and we're starting to see equity, then we're going to see these things because humans can be toxic. It's not easy. Leadership is not easy. So overall, I I agree hundred percent. We've seen a bunch of the Harvey Weinstein type of conversations. And that's mainly because men have been in charge. Yeah. They say that inside of, you know, the, the, the office corridors, you know, that Ellen was dealing with, or at least not confronting racism uh, fear, intimidation tactics, yeah. you could call it bias, you could call it aggression, you know, just allowing um, people to to run roughshod, as they say. You know, some staff members said that they were sexually harassed. And, and, and I guess when you are leading the ship, this is very akin to other stories that we've heard in the corporate corridor. But if you are at the helm of the ship, You have a responsibility when these issues are brought to you to not simply sweep them under a rug. Very, very similar to what we said at the top of the show. You can't just sweep these issues up under the rug, hoping that they will go away. They are going to cost you. And what I know about this younger generation, and I shouldn't even say the younger generation, what I know about the time that we are in, people are saying, you know what? I am going to speak out. I was actually going to talk about another story. Um, the second in charge over at BlackRock. Can't remember his name right now, Chad. Mm-hmm. But the second in charge at BlackRock has had some allegations brought up about him because of comments that he said. Like one thing that I read, he asked uh, staff members at dinner, you know, do you wear boxes or briefs? <laughs> now. I, I got to admit, fuck? Th- this is th- way bit, but hey, listen. So this is a transparent moment yeah. for me, like transparent moment. So I think about some of the things that I did as a young 25, 6, 27 year old touring yeah. that was high flying, had my sales team, you know, everybody in the building loved me. I'm thinking about some of the things that I did. And I'm like, if if we were. There's a possibility that people could have probably said, you know, eh, that wasn't the right thing for you to say, homeboy. Uh, like that wasn't really cool. And and I think about it as I read that story. I'm like, but he said that in 2010. Uh, Here we are 11 years okay. later. People are now sharing that he said, do you wear boxers or briefs? 
And this guy is in, like, he is seconds away from becoming the CEO of BlackRock. And that, that elevation is in jeopardy. And I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if I feel like his elevation to that level should be in jeopardy over a boxer or brief comment from a dinner in 2010. I just don't, I don't really agree with that. And so who is he now? I, I just feel who is he? Say who it again. Is he now that's who is that's, he now? That's, 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 that's the question, right? That's a fair question. That's a very fair question. And I guess the reason why I'm not, I guess I'm saying this is not because I'm, I'm minimizing women. I'm yeah. not taking up for the managers in Ellen's camp that sexually harassed people that intimidated individuals that used tactics that were less than friendly. I'm not in any way supporting them now in those uh, endeavors. What I'm saying is that people, I believe, are are going to less frequently wait five, 10 years to tell their stories. I think people are going to speak up more now, more real time, more close to when the infraction happened. And I hope that that puts all of us on notice that we got to do better. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. And think about it. If Facebook were around when you and I were teenagers, uh-uh. I mean, that I, I, I thank God every single day Facebook and Twitter Bruh. did not exist when I was around. I, I did stupid I mean, shit, dude. I, did, I was young. Did you hear me? Bruh, did you hear me? That's the third time I said it. Bruh, that's the fourth time I said it, man. <laughs> yeah, it could it could be it could be a very different situation if we had social media. And it's something that I tell my kings every single day, you know, and maybe a little bit less now that they are in remote environments and not in schools, uh-huh. but keep your hands to yourself, watch the things that you are saying on text messages with your friends, watch the things that you are posting because this stuff can come back to bite you. It can prevent you from gaining a scholarship, getting an interview, getting an internship. It's a tricky scenario. And Ellen has lost a lot of money. They say that her revenues are down somewhere in the neighborhood of, I think like 10, $20 million, something like that. Like she's lost a considerable amount of money uh, since since this you know this issue has come to so it costs yeah, it, and and it doesn't have to if, it doesn't have to if you're not that person who can be the leader to take care of those situations hire somebody have a chief of hire staff. somebody have a chief of staff that's right have somebody but you are responsible period. Absolutely. So before we get out of here, quick mention, uh, just a reminder, National Deaf History Month. uh, We are in the midst of that celebration. It started back on March 13th. It ends April 15th. Yesterday was equal pay day for white women. See? All see all that excitement. See, I lost you lost all that damn excitement. You like that that yep went to like a yelp. Like you were like real quiet because it's the truth. Yesterday, white women who on average earn about 85 cents for each white man's dollar yeah. made equal payday. And the frustrating thing for me is that at 63 cents, black women will hit equal payday in August. And at 55 cents, Latina women will hit equal pay day in September. 
it shouldn't be that way. And there are actually people out there, Chad, right now that say the quickest way for us to close the wage gap is for all of the women who are underpaid to just stay out of the workforce. That That's not even. I want you to I want you to to just sit on that for a moment. <sighs> the quickest way to close the wage gap. Is for black women. Hispanic and Latina women to just simply throw their hands up and say, I'm done with that. I'm going to go start my own business. I'm going to become a homemaker. Uh, I'm going back to school. I'm just coming out of the workforce altogether. That is the quickest way to close the wage gap. And that's unfortunate. Deep breath. And that is uh, that I think it's transparency. As soon as we start to see what people are getting paid and we can start to look at companies who are paying uh, without equity, without the care of even thinking about equity, that's when we understand really who needs to come up and who needs to come down. But there, Absolutely. We, cannot, we cannot live in this world in thinking that certain people cannot participate and be a part of what we do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I again, I just find it, you know, I find it, it, it it's baffling to me that you, and, and this is one of these instances where, you know, I, I'll do a presentation, Chad, and, you know, the women are sitting out in the audience and they clapping and they high five and then they turn past the offering plate. You know, they want to terminate. <laughs> they happy because, see, I don't, I've, I've given that heat. I've given that smoke uh-huh, to the men. Uh-huh. But then I'll say to him, I say, well, how many of you are like in HR or, or responsible for hiring people? And, and I'll say, I only want the women to raise their hand. And, and they do. And then I say, but, but how many of you are guilty of sliding an offer letter across the table Amen. knowing that you are underpaying the woman that you are hiring? And all of that amen and that pass the offering plate, all that high fiving. Yeah quiet all that down. We did all of that. And I do that for a reason. It's because, not because I'm deflecting. I want everybody to feel the part that they are playing in where we are right now. This lack of progress, however you look at it, is a sum total of what all of us have or have not done. What all of us have or have not done enough of. We all have some role in this conversation. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. So listen, uh, my, uh, my name drop for the day, I'm going to give it to a a woman who's absolutely incredible. Her name is Lisa Balzer. She's out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, She's on Instagram uh, at we are new and improved. We are new and improved. She put up an incredible post around equal payday. She does a whole bunch of bright posts. She's awesome in the advertising space. So Lisa Balzer at We Are New and Improved is my name drop for the week. Excellent. My name drop is uh, for a woman who was also absolutely incredible as well. Uh, you might know her. Her name is Julie Sowash. She's. Uh, <laughs> I- I'm sorry. Can you say that again? Can you say that again? Julie Can you say that again? Boom. Yep. And uh, all the other amazing women that are out there that are working their asses off that do deserve equal pay. 
and uh, we're hoping that we can actually get you there. And it doesn't take 250 years. It does not take 250 years. Hey, Julie. So listen, when you catch this episode, what I want you to know is that the men put some work in. Like we didn't come in here and short shrift the crazy and the king show. We came and put our work boots on. We got busy. Uh So this is like our longest episode (laughs) ever. <laughs> I just want I want everybody to know who's listening. You can go down three years of pods. This is our longest episode ever. So Julie, we did not cheapen the show. We did not take any shortcuts. Nope. We did not, you know, like he did our Julie, let me just say this to you. Whitey can come back anytime <laughs> he wants. I close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe and to find your voice, be a better human. Let's create culture, teams, and workplaces. For now, Chad and I are ghosts. See ya. So, Torin, we have a sponsor. Mad cool. That says that they appreciate the work that we are doing through this podcast vehicle. You know what else is cool is what other people are saying about Gusto. So give me examples. I mean, it's easy for you to say people are talking about it, but give me some examples. So Tom S. said Gusto has allowed my small company to offer big time benefits without an HR department. Shout out to Tom. But do you have more? Yes, I have another one from Sation who says Gusto is effortless, which is how I like HR. Out of sight, out of mind, yet doing what it's supposed to do. So what you are saying is Gusto is more than a payroll provider. Absolutely. And Gusto integrates with all of your favorite tools that, again, makes life easier. Tools like QuickBooks, Google, and and many others. So if you visit gusto.com slash C-A-T-K, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K, you'll get three complimentary months from Crazy and the King. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.